0: This episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast has been rated M for mature audiences only. Some material and dialogue may not be suitable for members of the family under 18 years of age. You want to get raw? Let's get raw. This is the Klaus to the Heart. Klaus to the Heart. Klaus to the Heart podcast. We are going to talk about things that affect everyday life. Some of it you're going to agree with, some of it you're not. You're damn right I'm fired up because this is a topic worth being fired up about. There is silver lining in just about anything, you just have to look for it because it's not always going to be at the forefront. This is the Klaus to the Heart Podcast. Podcast. This is the Klaus to the Heart podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Klaus to the Heart podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. I'm Jason Klaus. I certainly appreciate you taking time out of your week to give the show a listen. And I have to tell you, right out of the gate, uh, there's this is going to be a lot of wrestling-related re- talk, um, you know, backstories and 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 things of that nature. So if if the wrestling thing is not your cup of tea, then this probably is not going to be um, a must-listen to episode. But there, you know, like every episode that we try to do, there is a cool backstory. And joining me here in in the studio this week, actually, you know, we're face-to-face here with with social distancing, of course. But um, with me here in the studio is MWO Hall of Famer uh, Bill Sackman, who organization fans know better as Blackwell. Bill, it is awesome to have you in here, man. How's it going?
1: It's awesome to be at the studio for the first time recording something like this can't wait to tell people how how it goes. Yeah,
0: I mean, you have a unique background that not a lot of the current roster members of the organization have. Just based solely on when you came into the organization, it was during a defined era, but it was one that not a lot of our our current guys had the the experience in. You did. You came in during the Wednesday night era. And we'll get to that here later on in, in, in the show. But before we we talk about your arrival to the Michigan wrestling organization, um, I kind of wanted to give our listeners kind of the backstory of you. You know, what your your childhood, where you grew up. You know, things things of this nature.
1: All right. Uh, grew up. I started in Vassar with my mom and dad, mm-hmm. and then. When I was six, they told me they were getting divorced. Mm. When when you're a kid, all that doesn't under, you don't understand all that stuff. All I heard when they were getting divorced was, "Me and Mom are going to live with Grandma and Grandpa." I was like, "Ah, cool! I love Grandma and Grandpa."
0: Sure.
1: You know, we lived with them, and then uh, ninety four, we lost my grandma, and. I don't remember anything I got for Christmas that year because we buried her Christmas break. Right. Go back to school. All the kids are saying, "Oh, I got all this cool stuff. All this stuff. What do you? What'd you get? Oh, I got to bury my grandma." Ever since then, Christmas has not been a favorite time of the year. You know, because memories. Sure. Um, grew up. Got to, we moved to Bridgeport, and then. In third grade, I remember flipping through channels. It was it was the Raw after Survivor Series that year, 96. Mm-hmm. I started watching because the video package was Sid hitting Sean and Jose with the camera, stealing the belt, and then I was like, oh, he just hit him with the camera. That's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get into this. And then started watching it from there, you know.
0: That's a un I mean right I mean right at the precursor of the attitude era. Yeah, yeah. So I mean you were come God, Bill, see your story your wrestling story is so unique because as a fan you're coming into it at an opportune time. Yeah,
1: uh everything from that point was wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. I'm I have to watch everything. I would go rent the tapes from Blockbuster. Mm. Uh, old school old school anywhere (laughs) anywhere that had video rentals if they had wrestling rentals I would rent them Mm -hmm. there was other stuff like video games and hanging out with friends but everything came back to wrestling you know um I remember in 5th grade we did a bingo thing where we had to put uh, facts about ourselves on a little bingo card and had to give the teacher the other uh, the same one so that she can call them out Everything was wrestling. Favorite book, WWE magazine. <laughs> Favorite show, <laughs> Raw. Favorite band, DX band, you know? Right. Everything was wrestling related unless I couldn't make it wrestling related. Um, Me and my friends would fuck around in backyards or in basements just doing what we saw on TV. We weren't, learnt, we didn't learn anything on how to be safe or nothing. We just want, mimicked what they did on TV and if, you got fucked up. You got fucked
0: up. Sure. <laughs> I mean, how many stories you know, you know, begin like that?
1: My friend Damien, he lived. He had a, he had a, backyard, with a tree in three. There's three corners. It was made a perfect square in his backyard from us fucking around. There's a tree in three corners and then an electro box in the fourth corner. <laughs> made, made made a perfect square and we would put uh, chairs in the corners for our turnbuckles. Sure. Um, I remember one time wrestling out in the rain and hitting that electrical box. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna die," <laughs> but nothing happened.
0: Well, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually, when you know you during during a rain thing, you kind of want to stay away from the electricity. But
1: I mean, it was enclosed; it wasn't open. It was we just hit used it to hit people with.
0: Right. So, you mentioned the whole divorce thing. I mean, as as you got older, did that have any kind of negative effect on you personally or your relationship with, with either one of your parents?
1: No, I lived with my mom. And then I'd go see my dad every other weekend. Uh, sometimes I'd take friends to hang out at my dad's house because it was boring. <laughs> I, he didn't have shit to do, and he made us do work. Okay. I, we would... So I'd I would so I'd like I would bring a friend with me, open that because my friend was there, he wouldn't make me do work. But no, he made us both do work. <laughs> and then we would be we would do, be doing work and then uh he would say, Oh, let's one more thing and then we can go inside and be done. Alright, we'd do that one more thing. And then we'd find five more one more things. Like, man, can we ever have one more thing? And then he would, sometimes he'd be like, well, if you want to do this, if you want to, you can do that. And I don't, I'm like, I don't fucking want to. We'll do it anyway. Shit. Well, you just said if I want to. And I don't fucking want to, but,
0: all right, cool. But the one thing about that, Bill, is as as you're telling me that story, I mean, I can kind of picture it playing out in in my head because I know your dad pretty well from, you know... You know all these years, and he's been very helpful with us in yeah, so many ways. Yeah, for sure,
1: he, he's cool. But when you're a kid, <laughs> and you they tell you if you want, you can do this, but then you don't want to. Don't don't say it like that if you don't mean it that way.
0: <laughs> but okay. but you're a dad. I'm sure you do that to your kids. Well, well I mean, listen. You know, every parent has their own way of of, of dealing with stuff, and it's yeah. I mean that that could be a whole episode plus on on its own, but um. So at a pretty young age, you got hooked on wrestling, yeah. and then as you progress as a fan, that's when the whole Attitude Era thing yeah really stood out. So who, I mean. I wasn't sure how, you know, how deep into your personal life we, we were going to go. But, I mean, I can tell just by, I mean, I've, I've known you've been a wrestling fan for as long as I've known you. Yeah. Going back to, you know, oh oh two and oh three, but. Yeah, you don't become a wrestler if you don't like wrestling. Well, right, right. So, yeah. I mean, you grew up in a very impressionable age, you're seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin with the beer and the middle fingers and the language and, and you know, The Rock with all his catchphrases, DX with the whole cross chop.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: let me ask you this. While you're getting hooked into this thing from the, from the Attitude Era, did you ever make an effort to learn about the previous eras before that what brought the world wrestling federation or or now wwe up to that point because i mean that is such a crucial part of of history i would watch the
1: old tapes Mm -hmm. like if it was a tape from before i started watching i'd watch it and i'd be like "Ah, that's okay but what they're doing now is cooler yeah i mean it certainly is like back then like the stuff back in the day when I'm when I'm younger watching, I'm like, man, this shit's boring. Like, do some shit. Right. <laughs> make make me want to watch you, but you guys are fucking boring. And I, all right, cool, I'm going to keep watching my own thing. And I'd watch Raw and I'd watch Nitro. Because okay. Nitro would come on at 8. So I'd watch the first hour of Nitro. And I'd watch Raw, go to flip the Raw. And commercials, I'd flip back and forth.
0: Right. Like everybody did.
1: Yep, but then, <laughs> I, I Nitro also would show a replay at eleven. Right. But so, back in the day, you you watch the first hour of Raw or first hours of Nitro, watch Raw, and then you record the replay of Nitro so you can go back and watch it. Right. I would I would record not the second episode or the second half of the second part of Nitro, and it would just sit there. I got it. If I felt like watching, I'd watch it, but I didn't always watch it. I'd always watch Raw, and then when SmackDown, when SmackDown came out, SmackDown was a thing. I I would, I would try to watch everything, but it wasn't like it is now, where I can DVR everything, right, and watch ten different products and be all caught up because everyone's got. I can watch on YouTube. Everyone's got app. Everybody's got. T V, I mean, wrestling fans now have it made. Right. They can do it. they can stream whatever they want from whenever they want. We had to go find tapes. Yeah. My my friends I had friends that would tape the pay per views. That's how I would watch pay per views. If I didn't go watch it at their house, they would tape it, Let me borrow it on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> It always came in two parts, because they, they didn't buy the Super 8s. Right. <laughs> they would buy the, the two-hour tapes and have two tapes. Right, right, and, right. Can't you just that's buy the so, Super 8?
0: That's so funny, dude. <laughs> that, I mean, that happened when, when we were kids, too. And that that's so funny that you said that. Because. It's an af-
1: and once I got older, Cinema Hollywood and Bertrand, they used to... They're the pay-per-views. Mhm. 750 a ticket. You got to go watch it on a big screen screen with your friends. Go broke on snacks.
0: But could I've I never attended one, a a pay-per-view there. Yeah. Could you hear the the commentary yeah, stuff? It, it was it was
1: just like any other movie. Okay. It was just like watching at home cuz the the theater would buy it. Right. The theater would buy it and they would run it just like a
0: movie. Well, I didn't know if, like, the the other people in there were being all hooting and hollering oh, and beat them not just about they it. They would
1: be loud, but the, the theater made up for it by playing it louder. Gotcha. Well, I remember one WrestleMania we went, and they were having issues. It was the, uh, it was the WrestleMania that had Kurt Angle and Kane.
0: 18.
1: Yep, that one. We went and watched that, and they were having technical difficulties in the theater and they couldn't play it. So they were like, okay, we're going to refund everybody their money and give you a free movie ticket to the next time. So they refunded us our money, gave us a ticket for a free movie for anything else anytime later. And someone ran onto the theater and was like, oh, it's on, it's on. And then they're like, just go back in and it's cool. So they let us... they, They gave us our money back, gave us a free ticket and let us go back and watch it. And then they... Did the replay so we could watch what we missed?
0: Oh, that's awesome!
1: So, uh the only reason I remember that that's what, pay-per-view, what pay per view, what oh, what WrestleMania was, was because that's the match that was on when we went back in was Kane and Kurt Angle.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> huh. Isn't that something?
1: And cinema Hollywood is where I met Brick uh, Fucking Bergman. Huh. Okay. Him and his, him and, he, he had, him and his group of friends were out back. After we, left, we were leaving, we were walking out around the corner, him and his friends were out back wrestling, and I think I think it was Bergman, he pedigreed somebody <laughs> in the grass. So me and my friend Mark were like, oh, that's fucking cool, let's go talk to them guys. So we started talking to him, and Rick Bergman had the, uh, TV, the MWO TV title at the time, and we were he, he, was, he was telling us about the show. He gave us our phone, his phone number. We made arrangements to go to the next show. It was in Clio one night. Um, main event was Damon Gray and Intent.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So we go to that show. Bergman was supposed to be our ride home. We, we made arrangements to get dropped off and Mike would, t- would take us home. His name was Mike, right? Yeah. So he he said he'd take us home. <laughs> um, we go to the show, we watch. This motherfucker gets knocked out in his match, right? We we meet up after the show, and he's like, "Man, I can't drive you home. I'm too I'm too fucked up." And then me and my friend Mark had to make. We had to call my mom for a ride, and she was like, "No." You made arrangements to get home, you find a way home, I'm not coming to get you. Oh shit. <laughs> so I had to call my dad. Hey dad, um, my ride fell through, can you take me home? Well, your mom's closer, why can't she? Well, cause she said I had to find my own way there and back. So she said she's not coming. He, all right, give me an hour <laughs> or whatever. I was like, all right. So he came and picked me up and took, took me and my friend home. <laughs> But that's how I started with the, that's not how I started, but that's how I came and came to the product. I came to the product and then I lost Mike's number and I couldn't get a hold of him and I didn't know when the next show was. And then we lost all that, that was like 2002 summer, Yeah, something like that. But yeah, that's how I found you guys in the first place. Brick Bergman, Brick Bergman, isn't that? Green. Some... I'm pretty sure it was Matt Cole. Outside,
0: <laughs> man, those those two guys really made an impact when they were here. They, I mean, both of them, and you know, <laughs> they they were something else. But I, I dug them. I I, I thought. <laughs> For for as many issues as Mike, you know, brought me, and he brought me a few you know, yeah. over the course of his tenure. But man, that guy was—I mean, both of them—very determined, and yeah. you know, for the most part, very hardworking. You know, so they—that those are two names that, you know, we really haven't. Talked anything about on the shows on either of my shows because the you know the guys that I've had on I mean like with with XCon and Platinum a few weeks ago, um, you know we there really hasn't been a whole lot of of, of wrestling stories from that era, yeah. and then here you come in busting in with Brick Bergman and Matt Cole. That's I mean that's awesome because like I said you know yeah there were faults but there are positives outshone out those for yeah. for the most part because man Bergman was a selling machine and he would sell anything for anybody yeah and he looked good doing it um but I mean, when you gain success, you you know it kind of changes a person's approach. And I and I think Mike would agree. Looking back, that that certainly came you know came into play there. But that's neither here nor there. I I was just saying you know God dang man, that's not a that's not a, a name you hear very often, Mike yeah. Bergman. So that's yeah, for sure. And uh, Matt Cole, you know he he was a character <laughs> too.
1: Another thing I about remember about the show was we were me and my friend noticed that the commentators had the CD player for the entrance on their yeah. table. And <laughs> I remember making fun of them, like, you can't hide the CD player in the back or something? Like, it's out on the table where everybody can see and I was like, everyone knows that the commentators are the ones putting the <laughs> CDs in and I was like, that's, that's cool, but I can do that.
0: <laughs> it, uh, wasn't, I mean, we, we, we all got to start so much I, I know, I know. It's not like I had a big production booth or something going on. I know, but, like, put some effort into hiding it. Like, well, communication was the key there, you know, so that there was communication to the ring, and because we didn't, you know, it wasn't as advanced as, as you know, everything is now.
1: I remember hearing the live commentary, I was like, is this how it is at real, sh- like the big shows? Like, is this how is, do you hear the commentary at real at the big shows, like Raw and all that stuff? Because I didn't, I didn't know. Like, right. I was like, do they hear it over the? Do they hear it at the shows? And my friend was like, probably not, but it's cool. It gives the fans there a chance to hear what the commentators are saying without having to find it on the internet somewhere. Right.
0: You know. Plus, it kind of you know when we did audible commentary, it was. So that the newer fans were being explained, yeah, what was happening? Yeah. So you know, oh, these two are wrestling each other because of this conflict that would be laid out by our commentary team. Tell later when Brett tells Chaos,
1: "I'm gonna fuck you up on a live mic."
0: Well, you know. <laughs> listen, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. I know that was you know. funny though. Oh god, that
1: was funny.
0: You know there there have been some doozies o- over the years that's for sure <laughs> so how long I, I mean you found out about us in 02 I think it was um, in the summer of the next year 2003 that you came on board with with the organization um, you were you weren't by yourself when you debuted though were you? you no you, you had a, a another tag team partner with yeah you. yeah my friend uh Brent,
1: but the way I came back to you guys was my dad stopped at the gas station in Otisville mm-hmm. to get McDonald's uh one night and there was a there was a flyer there he brought it home and that it was it was that night or whatever. He was like, "Hey, do you want to go to this?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. That's cool. Let's go." So we go to Forest Township Hall, go watch the show. And the two things I remember about the show were, oh, it's three there's it three things actually. I remember sitting there and i like, "Oh, these are the same guys I watched in Clio." That's fucking cool. And then next thing another thing I remember was his love triangle with Jade and Skulls and Reaver, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I remember about the show is <laughs> pretty sure it was Bad Blood had and Jeff came out for a promo and he beeped you on his nextel.
0: Oh God, yeah, dude! He, and it, I come out of the closet. I came b- busting out of that storage room. Right,
1: that shit was cool as fuck. beep. beep. <laughs>
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah, that was the show I came to, and I took home a flyer. And the flyers back in the day had a phone number on them. Was it yours or Bob's? Probably Bob's. So I called the number on it to find out when the next show was and how I could fucking go. And I was like, I want to do this. Where is it at, and how do I become a part of it? So Bob says, well, come to the show before the show's this date. For time, Paul, be there early. Mm-hmm. So I go. Me and my friend Mark went, and you weren't there yet. And uh, the ring had, was already set up because we set up. You guys set up the night before. Right. A few people were there. It was. Um. A- Amy was there. Jade. And I don't know who else was there. And uh, we were like, hey, we wanna, we wanna wrestle, and um. They were like, okay, go, uh, sign this paper and go show us what you guys can do. Amy finds this envelope and she writes on it, um, something along the lines of, we promise not to sue if we die or some dumb shit like that, right? But, uh, backtracking a little bit, we were walking in and Bergman was fucking leaving. Okay. Hey, what's up, man? Uh... You you're gonna wrestle that? He said, no, I, I'm, I fucked up, and Jason fired me, and... <laughs> uh, he had dropped off a letter, or whatever, in an envelope. And, funny story, the envelope that Amy made us sign My was the God, same letter dude. that Bergman brought to you. Because he wanted to bring it to you, and I'm pretty sure they opened it and read it before you got there.
0: Of course they did.
1: Because... <laughs> Because he had misspelled something, and I know they were making fun of him before you got there to give it to him. So, me and my buddy Mark uh, go wrestle go wrestle like we do in the backyard. And <laughs> we, go, we get two minutes into this shit-ass match, right? And I threw Mark into the ropes, and he had never hit ropes before. <laughs> and he went out far enough to where he, his dumbass tripped. He, his foot got caught on the apron of the ring and tripped. <laughs> mm. So then... I put him in the walls of Jericho, and that was it. And uh, they were asking us, "Hey, do you know how to bump and shit?" And I was like, "Hold up, you mean like Tough Enough?" Because <laughs> <laughs> we had been we had watched Tough Enough, right? And they're like, "Sure, I guess, yeah, yeah." So we, we, I, I, I go in and just fucking mimic what I watched on Tough Enough, and just did it the way Tough Enough showed us. And I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> So that's how that happened. That's hmm. how I started. And then they, you got there and
0: boom, done.
1: It's been okay. there
0: since. <laughs> okay. So a few things that that came to mind is as you were telling me that. Oh, man. Um well, first of all, let's kind of set the scene because this is really the first time that we've done any kind of a deep dive into the Wednesday night era. Yeah. So let's kind of, of lay, lay out the groundwork here. Okay. Um, we're, uh, actually, what what we're going to do is we are going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will tackle, I mean, we'll go a deep dive in into Wednesday night, your career, and uh, what, what the future looks like, especially with this whole damn pa- pandemic thing going on. Yeah, so, yeah. Bill, hang out here for the rest of you. We will be back right after this. The all-new Klaus to the Heart website is up and running, and it is your one-stop place for everything under the Klaus to the Heart umbrella, from the YouTube show premieres to new episodes of the podcast, and much, much more, including blogs and message boards and a link to our brand-new merchandise store that is powered by CafePress.com. If you are a fan of the show, if you are a fan of what we are doing, we certainly encourage you to check out the new Klaus to the Heart website. Just look for Klaus to the Heart.net for everything under the CTTH umbrella. And as always, we certainly appreciate your continued support for everything that is Klaus to the Heart. Welcome back to the show. We certainly appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to give it a listen. Uh, I'm here with Bill Sackman, MWO Hall of Famer, um, known to our fans better as Blackwell. Of course, you've made an indelible mark on the MWO. You are also a very uh, prominently featured star with Imperial Wrestling and Entertainment out of uh, out of the Houghton Lake area, so I mean, yeah, I mean there wasn't a whole lot of, of of like a personal backstory until you got involved with wrestling. You know, and wrestling <laughs> has has been such a huge part of your life. I mean, I knew you were a fan, man, but I didn't know it was on that level. And uh, you know, to bring you up to speed, you came into it right at the the dawn of the attitude era, a uh, very pivotal point in the history of, of professional wrestling, the Monday Night Wars, you, you know, you talked about, which, you know, you, you described, uh, what every wrestling fan in that era did, you know, t- you know, un- unless they, uh, were more of a WCW fan and they were watching Nitro live, which we you know the ratings tell you that there was a lot of people that did, um, but you know during during the you know that time, you know the WWF would you know take take control and obviously dominate the entire industry. Now, um, you were hooked right right yeah. from right from the get-go right and uh right before we went to break you kind of la- laid out the cliff notes version of your ultimate arrival to the Michigan wrestling organization in August of 2003 now let's uh you know as you as you were coming in Did you have any expectations? Did I mean what? What was your mindset when you now had this opportunity to explore this this dream of yours?
1: I don't know what I was thinking long term. When I got there, I was like, man, can't wait to get in the ring and actually wrestle, like do stuff, like get in there and do stuff. This is everyone wants to wrestle when they're kid when. You like wrestling, that's what you want to do. You want to wrestle somewhere. I was like, this is close to home. I don't have to pay a shit ton of money to get beat up. Get to learn something cool, have a hobby, you know, have some fun for a little bit. I didn't know, 17 years later, I'd still (laughs) be here. I've been here long enough to where my time here... Like I've been here long enough to where time before wrestling and time after wrestling is the same amount of time. Seven. I was 17 when I started here. Wow. I've been here for 17 years. So, from today on, like, going the longer I'm in the company, it means time before I was in the company is less. Right. And not many of you guys can say that.
0: No, no. I mean, you can say it. Yeah, Gross Power
1: can maybe say it, but he's old. <laughs>
0: he's Grandpa Gross man. My, my goodness,
1: he's Grandpa Grossbauer. You know
0: he's gonna he's gonna hear this. That's okay. Okay,
1: I've called him Grandpa Gross forever.
0: Okay, funny it's funny story about Gross Oh, I love Gross stories. Please,
1: <laughs> we're we're I we work at the Elba Lions Hall. The show, the summer smash we did at the Elbow Lions Hall. 05. 05. It was, I think it was Torment and Gross against me and, was it Bubba? Or did I get, like, random tag partner, like, Diamond Rod or something weird? But it doesn't matter who my partner is. I'm in there with Gross And he's got me in a, like, front face lock deal, Right and I told him to DDT me and he didn't hear me so I picked his little ass up and I swung him and made him made him DDT me <laughs> like I picked him up and I did the, uh, did all the work to take this DDT and we're in the back and he's like yeah I can't hear shit out of my left ear <laughs>
0: That's the one, yeah. As soon as soon as you were started going into it, I'm like, it's because you talked into his left ear. He can't hear in his left ear.
1: But that's one of my funniest stories. Of gross, power, right? Oh,
0: dude, yeah, that dude. He he was actually on on the YouTube show here uh, a, a little bit back. Actually, the most you know recent episode, but. Yeah. Um, yeah he's he's a unique cat man. There's no doubt about that. You came in during what we described as the Wednesday night era yeah which was it was such a a moment in our history, and so much of that is directly and 100% because of Bob Breckinridge. And, um, you know, as you told your story, you know, you you got in contact with him, and, you know, here you are 17 years later. Yeah. And, you know, that's just a small sample of the impact that he made on the organization. Um to, and that's not that's not even going into his on screen persona no
1: I also have a good story about how good of a dude Bob is
0: oh yeah what?
1: we were at Forest Township it was me and Baba against Obscene and Pilo from Torment's group we did this deal where me and Obscene were outside and I threw him through the door and blew a giant hole out in the do- in, in the drywall behind the door
0: Yeah, I remember this.
1: Bob stayed at Forest Township Hall until like 5 in the morning, patching and repairing that drywall, repainting that entire wall, so that the people there didn't notice that the wall got blown out. Yeah. And I I thought I was going to get fired, and I I was so scared, and I was like, man, this sucks. I'm having so much fun here, and now... I just threw somebody through a wall, and I fucked up, and I'm not going to be allowed back. But Bob fixed it all up, and uh, he did it so that we wouldn't lose the building, and he's such a good dude, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. He he really... His contributions are numerous. I mean, I'm sure at some point we're we're going to have a Bob episode here because <laughs> yeah. You know, that dude has, you know, incredible stories His too. His
1: ring was a pain in the ass to put together, but it was a fucking ring and it didn't matter how much it sucked to put together and take down. Once it was up, it was the greatest thing in the world because it was a wrestling ring and I got to start Uh, in that ring and there was, it was a pain in the ass, but I got to wrestle in it and I got to, uh, live, live a dream in that ring. And not many people can say they had to start on Bob's ring and are still here. Right. Because that thing would break you (laughs) worse than the Russian and Rocky. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, but man, that ring saw some wars.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, it, I know. it
0: is. So, it was. It was the battleground for so much history, and the Wednesday night era. It, it was. It had every reason not to succeed, because it was a Wednesday night right. in Otisville, and. But, man, the Forest Township Hall was, like, the perfect venue. We need to go there again. Yeah, for sure. But, I I mean, that building was so much fun. We had so much fun. The storylines really, really had meat to them because we were running on such a regular basis. It was, like, every other Wednesday night. Yeah. So, what, I mean... Do you, do you remember what your first show was? It was it on was it during Wednesday night wrestling? The first
1: show I wrestled on. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Wednesday night at Forest Township. Um, like, it was awesome in one the Wednesday night era because still in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, all summer all summer, go fuck around in the ring on Wednesdays. Go help set up. Night before do whatever, and then rushed after school to get to the show to fuck around before the show. Or there was times my senior year where I skipped skipped on Wednesdays <laughs> to come all be in the ring all fucking day.
0: Right.
1: Um. But uh, the first match that I remember having was Bob thought it would be funny if, if my my Brent had came in with me A little short Mexican dude. So, Bob thinks this, it'd be funny to name us the usual suspects. <laughs> name Brent felony because he was small and he got to be the bigger felony or bigger crime and I'm a lot bigger than him and I get stuck with misdemeanor. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, I found out, my dad got me an old jumpsuit I dyed it green and put, uh... Numbers on the back of it, because misdemeanors were green. Right. And felons were orange. Right. So, it was me and Brent against Toby and Sid. <laughs> and, uh, I remember, uh, Toby hit me with a line, and I went down on one. <laughs> the first one. Because, I don't nobody told me any better at the time. Like, right. I would, I, it, I had been training, like, maybe a couple months, and threw me in a, to for a tag tournament or something, because you needed, needed bodies to fill it out. So me and Brent were in there, dropped out to Toby and Sid. But uh, the only thing I remember about that match was uh, getting lined by Co- Toby and bumping for it, and then getting chewed out for it in the back. And then uh, we lost because we got bribed with cheeseburgers and a briefcase. <laughs> they 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 ended up like they were gonna give us a big pay pay payday and we just took the fall and opened the briefcase of those two cheeseburgers <laughs> and then afterwards we beat up Toby and Sid and <laughs> I had a sledgehammer and I did the Triple H thing but I didn't do it right and this much like a couple inches of the sledgehammer was hanging on the bottom of my hand caught Toby with the pinky. And the, the slag of the sledgehammer hanging out. <laughs>
0: oh.
1: And then uh, the, I had another match with uh, Brant when we were the usual suspects at that time. We were... It was me and him against Riggs and Drix, maybe? Mm-hmm. Two dudes from the Misfits. I know Riggs was one of them, but I don't remember the other one. But it was... We did that, and then... Brent's not coming, and I'm pretty sure we were all standing around one day, and it was, it had to, it was Mart, who said, hey, you know who he looks like? He looks like Josh. <laughs> let's put him, let's put him with Josh, and got a new Blackwell. That's how me and Josh got together. And I was like, cool. I didn't really want to do the jumpsuit anyway,
0: but... And let me, let's pause right there, because I remember them pitching that to me. Which one? The Blackwells. Yeah, the, the, the whole Blackwells thing. And hey, you guys were across the room or something when 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 they said it to me, because when you came in initially, here's what I what I remember about you first making your arrival was bob come up and he said this kid is huge and i think he's he's gonna be a player if we can mold him yeah (laughs) and i was like okay then you know then i seen you i'm like damn yeah he's a big ass kid and but you know you were young and you know you we we you were starting literally at square one. You had no formal experience prior to coming here. And I was like, man, yeah, that, you know, you stood out, you know. We, so we so when the whole usual su- suspects thing got brought up, I'm like, yeah, it's funny and it's, it's ironic. We'll roll with it because it's a gimmick. But, you know, I, I didn't have real high expectations for the long run. Now, when the Blackwells thing happened and you and Big Bubba Blackwell or Josh Orr took off, I mean, you guys got popular real quick, real quick. And, you know, it was almost painful for me when we broke you guys up because I just, you guys stood out. As, I mean, I would say, and I would think you would you would have to say that this is accurate. I mean, but the whole Black thing was your first real, real su- success in yeah, in yeah. in the MWO. It was there a rivalry or a match that you had during that tag team run with Josh as your partner that that stands out?
1: I remember when we did the trick, the Christmas class match with the Steels, where. Uh I had I you wanted us to win and I was like it'd be way funnier if we did this. And the whole thing was before they were wrestlers, Alex was a uh, referee and Andrew was a ring announcer. Right. So the way we worked it in was I went to hit a steel with a line and he moved and I hit Randy. And I'm paying attention to Randy. The Steels did the whole push Push over small package gimmick. Alex pulls a referee shirt out of his tights, puts it on. Uh, counts to three while Andrew's pinning him. They roll out. Andrew announces them as them, them as the winners, and they leave. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, anytime me and Josh got to do the cow tipper finish was so much fun. Where I was just. Leaned over and Josh would run, push me over, and I'd drop a bow on the dude. Called right. it a cow tipper because it's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember the match with um, Obscene and Pilo, of course. But And then we won the tag titles from Jerry and Biohazard. Mm, yeah. So that, and then. We hot pocket we hot, hot potatoed it with them so that with the feud with them and Mike and Chaos, right? I believe so. Yeah, But yeah. well, I remember that, um and we split up so we could have a Extreme Rules match at a Summer Smash one year. Yep. Yeah. And then eventually we got put back together. And then, then we got um Eddie Bacardi's sister to be our to be our manager, Puddin'.
0: <laughs> okay, so at this point We are making I mean, we have made the transition From Wednesday Night Wrestling To the Terry's Lounge era Yeah And as A younger member of the roster How old were you During the, the Terry's Lounge era That would have started in '04.
1: Well I was eighteen oh four, mm. so um, I wasn't able to drink, but that didn't mean I didn't get any drinks, you know. Right. I mean, every it, they well, we were there. They weren't carting us.
0: <laughs> Let's be real here. No, they. I mean, we certainly got treated like we, like we, superstars. We got
1: are. we we had we had catering. We had <laughs> we had a venue that we we had a family dollar across the street to walk to. You had a lumber yard across the road where if we broke a board, you could walk across the street and get another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had it made two, uh, two Saturdays a month, at least.
0: Yep,
1: it was awesome.
0: It certainly, man. What what a pivotal time! Christmas and, and, parties. Oh jeez, yeah. The awards banquet, you know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so much stupidity went on during 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 that era. It's a wonder we survived it. But uh, yeah, I I mean you and uh, you and Bubba, great tag team. We had know. so
1: much fun just
0: doing shit that was funny. Right. So, after that, um, your next real prominent piece of business would have been your part in the core faction, and then the subsequent you know, tag team with Jason Platinum. Well,
1: before the core, and in between the two spots where I it was with Josh, I was in the in crowd. Oh, yeah. And some of that stuff was funny, but I don't... That led to the match with Skulls at Rama the one year. That was fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the in crowd, there was just, so we had nothing else to do. And let's just go do, c- Toby was like, hey, do you want to be my bodyguard? I don't care if Jason's cool with it. I'll do it, whatever. Gets me out of the overalls for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh, uh, yeah. The core was fun, too. Toby was in that, too. Yeah. I don't know how we all got together. I just know that it was, at one point it was me and Toby and Gordy, and then we did a six-man with Platt somehow, and I was like, can we keep him? Keep, come on, keep, put him in camo, and we can be heavy artillery. That's fucking funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it was something like that that really, I mean... Heavy artillery was such a great tag team and it really the whole core thing worked for a, for a while. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, you had Gordy Harris at the helm of it, or or Corporal Payne. He was so
1: serious all the time as Corporal Payne and me and Bladder just making dumb jokes all the time.
0: Right. <laughs> you know, you had you know, Toby Fargo was was in there, and then... Uh,
1: After Toby, we got Ogre. Ogre. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don. Don Gladding.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got so many good stories about core stuff we did. Great. Well, we were... Remember when we were going to Oakland University? Yeah. After we set up the ring, the four of us would go fucking stroll around the campus, just wander around doing core cam shit. Gordy had a camera, and we would just go around filming just dumb shit. Like, we filmed in a student lounge where Toby was sleeping on a couch. <laughs> and we came up and tipped the couch over and rolled him off. And then we put we put it all back. We did one where Toby was taking a nap on a treadmill. So we went and turned it on and <laughs> shot him off. <laughs> we do one in an elevator. Man, Toby's reading all the rules in the elevator, right? He's reading them to himself, and, he's, and he finds one that doesn't have a fine in it. So he goes, remember not to do this, and he ju- he, he pretends like he's going to jump. <laughs> and <laughs> Platinum goes, oh, don't do this, and this motherfucker jumps. The last guy you want doing that, right? <laughs> right. So while we're in the elevator, Platinum jumps. Elevator stops, goes black, and then drops the floor.
0: Oh. And then For
1: real. Yeah, for real. And, <laughs> so it opens up at the floor below it. It's this far below where we're supposed to get out. Like it's that far before oh my <laughs> Below God. floor level, man. Like I almost died in an elevator with Jason Platinum, Toby, and Gordy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I had never heard that story before. That's
1: because we didn't want know how what the statute of limitations was on getting in trouble for shit like that. Like oh we were at God. we 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 got out of that elevator and we found our way back to the where the show was without using that elevator again.
0: <laughs> My goodness.
1: Uh, another time, <laughs> we we're doing core cam stuff at Gordy's house, and Gordy had this roommate Greg in the basement, and. Uh, there had been an issue with Gordy and Greg for some reason, and Platt was like, let's go down and fuck him up, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, up, Platt. It's not our problem. He's messing with our homie. We gotta go fuck him up. We're not gonna beat him up and record it, Platt. Why the fuck not? (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works, dude. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then... The uh, the Christmas Clash where Platt broke his ankle. Mm. <laughs> we're doing this four-team match. It was me and Platt against Steve and Levi, Aaron and Adam, and uh, Mark and uh, Guy. So, we're talking about the match beforehand, and Mark brings up wanting to do a plancha with a. Adam on his back, and we're like, "God damn it, we gotta catch Mark with a pl- with Adam." So they they discuss everybody doing planches in the match, everybody, and I was like, "I'm not doing a fucking plancha." <laughs> <laughs> Platt goes, "If I do a plancha, will you do a plancha?" And I was like, "Fuck, if you do a plancha, I have to." So, Aaron's like the second plancha spot. <laughs> Platt goes to catch him, because he fu- he, go- he slips, and Aaron falls on his ankle. Platt rolls out, like, rolls out of the way, and we catch all the other plaunches. The match finishes, we go to the back, um, Platt's like, I think I broke my ankle. Fuck. So I, I go, I peek out through the curtain, and I say, Paul, give me your car keys, now. We need to take Platt to the hospital. I take Platt to the hospital, <laughs> we're there for a couple hours, sitting in the the room i remember there being two big rolls of like the wrap stuff those ended up in my pocket or in my gear bag and i took those bitches home (laughs) and then i i remember calling laura because she her and steve were plots ride that night and christmas parties going on I'm fucking missing the Christmas party because Platt breaks his leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, called Laura. Hey, uh, he's got a broken ankle. We're waiting for the doctor to wrap it up, whatever. I remember Laura being like, you guys know how much longer? Because we kind of want to go. Like, okay, then you come up here and get him. I, You're his ride. Why am I at the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> so... Valid question, I suppose. <laughs> like you're Platt's ride, right. why aren't you up here now? I like, I could come back. Whatever. So we I take Platt back and then there's a there's a plate for each of us left over <laughs> and everyone else is leaving. Man, i got to I missed the the Christmas party. It's legendary at Terry's. My buddy's broken right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, what, what what does that mean for me now? Like he's busted. Like do, do I get to just, uh, do single stuff or what? So, that, that was, that was scary. Like, it sucked, it was really sucky for him having a broken ankle. Like, man, why were we talking about all these planches? Right. This is dumb. But, lucky for me, Platt broke his ankle and I didn't have to do a dive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause Platt was on the fence of doing it and... He was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna do it if I feel like it." Mm. I was like, "God damn it! Now if flight goes up there and jumps, not only do I have to catch him, but I have to go up and do one too. <laughs> Ain't nobody want to see that."
0: My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I remember you guys coming in at the very end of that party. And you were right, man. The, <laughs> the Terry's Lounge Christmas parties were stupid. Oh, man. And, you know, I don't drink very often. And even back... To, well, I guess I can't say that because during the power trip days, man... <laughs> Every shot, we. some nights I wonder how we didn't kill somebody because we got so stupid (laughs) drunk about it. How
1: many people in the Terry's Lounge era came to you and said, Hey, I don't feel safe working with this guy because they're fucking drunk.
0: It happened a couple times. Yeah? Yeah.
1: I was never worried about getting killed by one of you drunk guys because I was bigger than you and nobody could make me do anything I didn't want to. Yeah. And I wasn't gonna get dumped on my head because you weren't picking me up. Right, like I was perfectly fine with you, got everybody, being drunk that I worked with. Because <laughs> what are you guys gonna do to me? I'm bigger than you. Yeah, and you're not picking me up. I'm not leaving my feet if I don't want to. So I was golden. Right. That was, that was a time, man. Like, yeah.
0: It was, man. Yeah.
1: So many, so many memories of. Terry's Lounge, I remember when you got the new Silver Ford, the first (laughs) show you bring it to, we're tearing down, and Mike Nunn (laughs) blows out your taillight with a a rail. (laughs) Damn, he just (laughs) got that truck. (laughs) He he can't have anything nice because of us.
0: Oh, (laughs) yeah. That was pretty hot.
1: I bet. It was brand new truck. First show you bring it to, one of us
0: blow out the taillight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed about that for a minute. <laughs> Not nearly as pissed as when Jesse Brown dumped my coffee at the, at the city market there we were outdoors, I could have kicked his ass it yeah, was a
1: perfect cup of coffee. You can't really be madder about a cup of coffee than a
0: taillight on your truck. Listen, bro, do you know how serious I am about my coffee? Yeah, <laughs> The but... tail light can be fixed. Every so... I mean, it don't happen every day you get the absolute perfect cup of coffee. Like, everything is in perfect fucking harmony. And this guy comes in and knocks it off my tailgate. I took maybe three drinks out of it. <laughs> mother putt's bucket. Anyway. Hello, Jesse Brown. Jesse Brown, yeah. (laughs) Great guy. Yeah, he is. Another great guy. Anyway, so, you know, the common theme that I, you know, with your career up to this point is you've been part of a faction, part of a tag team. Yeah. You really, I mean, aside from from the brief feud that you had with, with Bubba over the Extreme Championship, um, I mean, do you, have you always had aspirations of being a, a single star, or were you just cool with, with being part of, of a tag team that was being utilized, I guess, for the lack of a better term?
1: Back then, it was... Whatever you give me to put me on the show, let me do something was cool. Like I don't care what you give me, just let me wrestle. It was, I. I just was happy to be there. I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to wrestle. Right. <laughs> I. I had. To, I. I did the, the usual suspects. I did the Blackwells. I did the In Crowd. I did the Blackwells again. I did the core. I, moved on. I, whatever you need me to do, I'm gonna do. Even if I don't want to. Right. Like, I wasn't too... Wanting to put a mask on and do Kremlin. But... Did it. I didn't... The main reason I didn't want to was like, I didn't want to go through that for buying all the new... A uh, whole new set of gear. Right. Like, man, I bought all this gear for this. Now I gotta buy gear for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's cool. I'll do it. So I want to spend the money.
0: <laughs> so... When... Platinum and Oxicon were here. Yeah, we talked about the infamous turn uh-huh. at the 2008 Trick or Slam. Yeah, and I know, looking back when I when I think back to that that's that, that storyline and specifically that night, I know you were pretty bummed about it. Yeah, well,
1: for the last however long we were together, in mean, Platt, we're heavy artillery. We're we're kicking ass in the tag teams. We're doing this is the best thing I've done the entire time I've been here. Most fun I've had. You know, there's eleven of us in this match. Ten of you knew what was happening, and I didn't. I I would I would come up on conversation, come up to conversation with people that were in the match, the conversation would stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being like, well, what the fuck? What do I do now? Like it would, it was pretty We to be like, well, what about me? What about me? But at the time it was like, I've been doing the whole story this whole time is me and Platt, me and Platt, me and Platt. We, we, it splits. And I was like, fuck. This sucks. What do we do now? What happens to me? Bright side, Platt uh, goes away. Er, leaves. I get a match with him at Christmas Clash. That didn't happen. I I got... I didn't get the match with Platt. It was me and Platt, and Gordy got a match with Platt. Like, I... From the time me and... From the, the Trick or Slam thing happened until... Uh, I got the Kremlin gimmick I was in the, we don't really have anything for you, uh, uh gray area, you know? Mm-hmm. I was, I was coming to be on the, doing whatever needed to be on the show, whatever, but I felt like me and Platt should have at least had a match to for the split, and like, everyone that knew, oh, it wasn't, everyone that knew were people that needed to know, and I thought I was one of those people that should have knew what was happening in my match, like, I was involved in that match too. Like, why are conversations stopping when I'm coming up to talk about the match? Um, I remember going to the back and being like, "What the fuck, man!" Uh, I kn- I remember finishes were got sw- got swapped where I was supposed to get eliminated before you or something, and then you ended up getting eliminated, and then I saw the turn. And I was like, fuck, I don't know anything about this. I wasn't told if I can go do anything afterwards, so I, I don't get to confront Platt, don't get to do nothing, go to the back and, ah, be mad about it. Like, it happened. That was my feeling at the time, like, man, this sucks, why, I'm in this match too, why can't I be told? All right. You know, like, me and Platt were friends, he could have told me, anybody could have told me, everybody knew but me
0: yeah i had said on there you know looking back how you know i we handled that pretty poorly and and i you know i, said, I like i told him i was like you know i feel bad about that yeah it, it sucked at the time but
1: we can't go back and fix it right and another fun story about heavy artillery from earlier in the summer <laughs> at the hadley show before the show happened, I went and bought two sticks of Team Spirit deodorant, a pink one and a blue one, because we were supposed to wrestle the Steels. Right. At the time, they were coming out to smells like Team Spirit. And I was like, hey, Platt, you know what would be really funny? If we come out with Team Spirit deodorant and give it to them and make a joke about how they smell like Team Spirit, and then we cut away to talk shit, and then when we turn around, they shove the, they break off a chunk of it in our faces. Plus, like yeah that's funny yeah, that's funny so I do it I buy it time for the match happens Plus, like I don't want to fucking do it <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to do it well I, I don't want deodorant in my mouth and don't, don't open your fucking mouth right just let him smear on your face whatever I was like fuck it you want to be a little bitch I'll take them both I don't care so <laughs> they, we do the ha ha funny spot we both hand them their respective colors I gave I, I gave Alex, the pink one because he wore red, and flat gave Andrew the blue one because he wore blue.
0: <laughs> Makes sense.
1: We're talking shit. They both break off a big chunk of this fucking deodorant and shove it in my face. I was like, oh, you little bastards. But the only cool, the only, the, what made that part of the, that, that part of even better was later in the match, we're giving them heat. Don comes out with two fucking hot dogs. <laughs> Don's like, got hot dogs for you guys. Platt's in the ring, giving heat, right? Ooh, I want a hot dog, and he tags me out, and he gets, he tags me in so he can eat a hot dog on the apron. Don, give me my hot dog. So, I'm in the ring eating a hot dog, just stomping the shit out of the Steels. Like, whatever. One's in the ring, like, he's on the ground, stomp, stomp, drop an elbow, take a bite of the hot dog while I'm pinning him. (laughs) Because it's fucking funny. Yeah. (laughs) But Platt didn't want to eat deodorant because he didn't want... To taste deodorant. And all, all he would have had to do is keep his mouth shut and let him smear it on his face. But he wanted to be a little baby about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. Like, I don't care what it is. If it's funny and it's going to get somebody to react, I'm cool with it. Fuck it, whatever.
0: Alright.
1: I'll make people laugh. It's funny.
0: <laughs> so you... You mentioned a little bit ago the Kremlin gimmick. Yeah. And you you weren't a big fan of that whole idea. However, when you look back, that character, in a lot of ways, was, you know, that was your, I don't want to say live audition to be a single star. Mm Mm-hmm. But, man, when you look back at what what that gimmick, you know, produced, the rivalries, the ch- I mean, yeah. you, you were MWO champion. Yeah. So, I mean, initially you weren't thrilled about the idea of portraying this giant Russian monster mask gimmick. But... When you look back on it, do you do you do you have an appreciation for it now?
1: I like doing it. I was just opposed to spending the money to get the new stuff for it. Mhm. Like, man, what all do I to get for this thing? It was all about how much money I had to spend to make this new gimmick work. I wasn't worried about doing it. I was like, yeah, I'll do do the shit, but it's cool. Man, now I gotta spend money. <laughs> And I, I, I I was just starting to get, like, I I had just recently started working. Like, man, I'm not going to spend my own money to get gimmicks. Because when, (laughs) when, when I wasn't, when I didn't have a job, (coughs) dad would buy gimmick stuff. Right. I he bought the overalls. He bought the Timberland boots that, or the work boots that I wrestled in. He, he found me the, the stuff that I worked with. I. Now I gotta uh, budget my own money to get gear. Cool, I'll, I'll figure it out. All right. Uh, the 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 worst part about that thing was the mask, because it had the layer the leather layers on the face, and there were four different colors in that and ma- on that uh face, or yeah, four different colors, and all of them like intersected. On my, on the bridge of my nose. Instead of just putting the top layer over there, they had all four layers there. So there was like an inch thick of layer that was pressing on my nose. So every time I got hit in the face, it was almost bloody nose.
0: Like,
1: right. Like every time I got hit in this like cheek, face area, it would press on my nose. And man, this sucks. But the mask was. I liked the mask. I liked the gimmick. I I I, sw- I had to. Find a Soviet Union flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm yeah. So I I could find that. Guys, put me with Tony Black. That was fucking
0: cool. I was going to talk to you about that because that's that's another name that doesn't that hasn't been mentioned nearly enough. Just because we don't, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about this era. But Doctor Tony Black, what a character! I, I remember him being my manager one time. We're talking about a tag match, right? It's me
1: and. I'm pretty sure it's Kamash against two whoevers. I don't remember who. I just remember the conversation we're in the having in the back. That Kamash is supposed to lose. And Tony Black's like, Kremlin does not lose. He doesn't you don't do anything to him. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Tony, this is our match. Let let us talk it up. And he was just like, You don't you're too big to be taking anything and and he 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 tried to come up with this big elaborate uh, backstory for Kremlin, and he's explaining it to me one time, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> he, it was overcomplicating, and I don't remember anything about it. But it was—he was just rambling about it, and I was like, "Tony, I don't know what any of that means. If you want to tell that story, go ahead, whatever." <laughs> but he was so cool, and uh, uh. I remember going to his funeral mm-hmm. with Jeff and this, uh, with Package. <laughs> In the, uh, the eulogy, the past year calls us the Michigan Wrestling Association. Oh. And afterwards, Package,
0: <laughs> oh Package God, corrected yeah. him.
1: Uh, Package, what are you doing? Well, he said it wrong. So what? It's a funeral, man. <laughs> let him, let him, it's Okay. Well, he's got to get his package right. Damn it, package. We well, have yeah, that package fucking corrected.
0: I think you told me that the 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 first show we did after his funeral. Yeah, You're but, not gonna believe what this motherfucker said at Tony Black's funeral. I think is how you started. And, and then you were like, "Well, I, it's packaged, so yeah, I kind of do believe it." Well. I mean, we started out as the Michigan Wrestling Association, so I mean, it wasn't 100% wrong.
1: Okay, but... It certainly
0: wasn't what we were known at that time. It's but, not
1: something you need to correct somebody No, certainly well, not. Not, I mean, at a, not at a funeral. Listen. You know, <laughs> I love Package. Bless his heart. Our, fun story about Package. It's not the IHOP story. <laughs> we, <laughs> I, I rode home from WrestleMania 23 with the Steel Twins. Okay. Mike Nunn. Bought one ticket to WrestleMania. He dropped it off the day of WrestleMania to me. So, I had to find a way to WrestleMania and home from WrestleMania the day of. My dad took me down to WrestleMania. I had gotten I had uh, Alex's number, so I called Alex and asked Alex if he would bring him and his brother would bring me home. So we ride home. I ride home with the Steels. It took like an hour and a half for package to get out of the parking lot. Be- not not because of how much it sucks getting going through there, because he wouldn't take his turn to pull out of the spot. He really? Was, he was waiting for somebody to let him in. Oh. Hey, hey man, you can't wait for somebody to let you in. You have to start backing out, and they'll either stop or they won't. Right. <laughs> so you need to start you you need to take your turn these people aren't going to let you out because they want to go the fuck home
0: right
1: we all want to go the fuck home so start just try to get out just try
0: uh, uh, I, I don't 80, know 80,000 like, people down there all trying to get home you know <laughs> like, they're they're, they're going to stop
1: they're going to stop when they see you start backing out and they're going <laughs> to let you in if they don't, even if they don't want to, just take your turn.
0: <laughs> I have a similar sidebar story. Oh shit! Um, it wasn't WrestleMania. It was the uh, it was Halloween Havoc of '95. It was at the Joe Louis Arena, where Hogan Russell the Giant. Okay. Okay. So we were trying to leave Joe Louis Arena, and it was a pretty packed building that night and we were have I went with Grossbauer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Todd is a security guard, He has been for years. Yeah. And he had in his back seat. He drove, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he drove. But he had in his back seat his security jacket and on the back of it it says <laughs> security. So we're trying to back out. Nobody is letting us in. So I put his jacket on and <laughs> hopped out of the <laughs> the passenger side and stopped traffic to get him out to let him pull out. And then I we hopped back and I didn't even think this through <laughs> because I think we were we I had been drinking. And so I didn't think the shit through all all the way but when when I got back in the car there we is? had nowhere to go. We, you know, we were stuck in the middle. Of, so this guy behind us is all bent out of shape and pissed because, you know. You outsmarted I, him? I stopped traffic so we could back out, you know.
1: I mean, that's fucking
0: like He's honking smart. a horn. He's flipping us off. And I like, what do we do? I was like, oh, well, if he gets out of the car, we're getting out of the car. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> you know. You got your club, right? You got a nice
1: stick in there. Yeah. You got your brass knuckles. We know you carry that everywhere with you, bro.
0: <laughs> oh God, that that could lead to another. Well, that that's more of of a Jeff story than a Grossbaugh story. The
1: where you and Levi were working the boys, and yeah. nobody told Jeff, and he's like Grossbaugh, give me your knocks, I'm gonna go fuck him up. Yeah. Funny story about that. Uh, the show, after that show, we were doing training in Dave's garage, and at the next Dave's garage session, your brother's there. Levi's there and whoever else is there. <laughs> Sean's there first and he's just talking to us about whatever and then Jeff rolls up and uh, Sean's like, "Really, Jeff? Brass knuckles? What the fuck?" <laughs> he's like, "What? Man, you and my brother were fighting. I was I was going to fuck you up. It's my fucking brother." Right. <laughs> and got another story about, with your brother because that just that has to do with it's my fucking brother type story. It's, it was after a Dave's Garage. he was pissed about some chick being a bitch to you. I don't know who she is. All I know is, like, Jeff's like, I'm going to go fuck her car up. <laughs> I was like, let's go. So, me, Jeff, and Amy get in my dad's old beat-up van and we go to Kroger. Jeff buys chocolate milk and pickled herring. Jeff, what are you going to do with the pickled herring? put it under her fucking seats I'm gonna pour the chocolate milk in her vent she never locks her car she never goes anywhere fuck this bitch (laughs) we drove we drove all the way over there and she lived in Davis in in apartments by by 69 I don't remember the name of them Charter Oaks maybe yeah okay so we get there her car's gone fucked now what Jeff's like fuck it I'm gonna take the chocolate milk home and drink it (laughs) And I'm gonna put the pickled herring out on the porch and let it heat in the sun for a week and put it go back.
0: (laughs) I don't even remember who that would have been. I I
1: have no idea who it was. I just know that she was she said something that Jeff didn't like about you, and that's for crying out (laughs) loud. That's all it took for Jeff to be like, you know what, fuck this bitch. (laughs) And I was like, this is gonna be. This is my this is my first adventure with with Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's one thing about him, man. I I thought you were going to tell another story. Oh, but... I,
1: I I that's that was a that was a story where he was just like this bitch is always uh being a being disrespectful to Jason, fuck her.
0: Cool. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, his his loyalty <laughs> knew no bounds. He did he just If I was threatened in any way, shape, or form, (laughs) he just, I mean, he just. I don't remember who she was or what the whole
1: situation was. I just know it was, he's going to fuck up her car because she did something disrespectful towards you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: Jesus. (laughs) Love Jeff. Yeah, man. God damn. Damn. That could be, you know, we could sit here for hours and tell and tell Jeff Claus story. but and every one of them's different, yeah. Because
1: everybody has their own stories with Jeff.
0: Yeah, true. That's very, very true. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, you know, you've been here for you said what seventeen years. Yeah, you know, you've won every championship that that we've had here. I
1: haven't won the TV title yet.
0: Oh, okay. So you're a Triple Crown champion, not I mean, not quite a Grand Slam. Well,
1: te- well, at the time, back in the day, I had an Impact round too.
0: Okay, yeah. But
1: it was the same belt, but repackaged. Right. Uh, that was that was a fun t- story too, because we were all lumped in a ma- random match, and Damon Gray's like, I don't care what happens, it doesn't matter. Who, somebody can have the belt, it doesn't matter. I was like, what if all the core members pin you at once and we 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 the a, a singles title? <laughs> and Toby was the only uh, core member that wasn't there for yeah. that. And Leo Adonis was also in that match and wasn't involved in the uh, stack pin and thought he should be co-impact champion with all of us because he was in the match too. But no, 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 Leo. The, no, Jeff. The uh, story is we all pinned him and you didn't. That's funny. Yeah. Leo Adonis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, when you look back on, on your career, is I mean, okay, the, the current version of the television championship you haven't held yet. You just mentioned that. But is there anything that you haven't done at this point that is still on your bucket list in terms of your career with the MWO.
1: Yep. I haven't won a bunkhouse brawl. I haven't closed out a WrestleRama. I've been in every spot in between. <laughs> uh I've I've been in an opening match that was Bill the main event.
0: That was the Kiddies match with yep. Michael Reaver.
1: I I was in the match before the main event with the big eight man at uh, twenty two. Yep. Uh I've been in the second match. I've been everywhere on the card, but the end spot.
0: Okay. All right. So, is there one match that you look back on and you say, that's my favorite match, or that's what put, put me on the map?
1: There's a few of them. Me and Verdi at Rama, the one year in the flag match. hmm where we were beating each other up so good, that everyone had to ask his wife and the my girlfriend at the time if we were mad at each other because we were fucking each other up. Yeah, that was a good, good, good ass time. Um, the triple threat match that I had with Jerry and Biohazard at uh, um, Terry's Lounge one night was really fun for me. Uh, side story about that match, I almost shot won the MWO Championship that night. On accident. <laughs> because we did a... I did a chair shot on Biohazard, and I hit him with this chair, and go for the pin, and then Jerry breaks it up. After the match, uh, Biohazard was like, you know how close you came to winning the championship? You hit me so hard with the fucking chair, it would have been unbelievable for the crowd for unbelievable to the crowd for you to not win. And I would have just laid there and let you take it. And we would have dealt with it later. (laughs) But Jerry broke it up. But I was like, man, I didn't know I hit you that hard. He's like, yeah, you, you, you put all your big manness into it and you hit me so unbelievably hard that I couldn't believably kick out. (laughs) And I was like, Oh shit. That match was really good. The I, I enjoyed the match with me and Platt against Mike and Guy at Rama when we won the tag titles, the one year where you let me blade. Yeah. Uh Funny story about that. I didn't know what I was doing. And I nicked, but I didn't feel anything. And nicked again, didn't feel anything. And then the third one, I felt it poke and drag. And when I got to the back, I had a perfect, like, Anarchy A on my forehead on somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that match was good because we made it boot camp rules where we made up, we made up all these rules that were <laughs> beneficial to us where we got, we didn't have to tag, but they did. We could use weapons. They could only use weapons if we used it on them first. We could, um, we'd get... Three counts for vict- three counts for pinfell's eight, had to get five. We just make we just stacked these rules up. That was, I enjoyed that. Uh, the match with Chris and Mark in the cage, um, was good. I enjoyed that, ex- other than the concussion <laughs> and throwing up in the back. I remember in that match more than once, roll uh, saying to Chris, Hey man. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what we're doing. Can we can we go home? <laughs> no man, the crowd's really hot. We gotta keep going. Fuck. <laughs> so there's parts in that match, if you see me hiding in a corner, it's because that's where I crawled to die <laughs> while Mark and Chris worked so that I could chill and um hopefully remember the next spot. Right. That that shit sucked.
0: That was as Kremlin. Yeah, yeah. The
1: mask. On. That was, that was probably the worst time in the ring ever. The match was good. It looked good, but there's so much of that match where I'm just like, I don't know what's happening because we did a spot where you let me blade again, and Mark ripped the mask open, and it was Mark's job to keep it open, keep me open, and. That motherfucker hits hard. <laughs> Even when you're, when he doesn't need to keep you bleeding, he will hit you hard. He's not trying to kill you, but he, you know, he's gonna hit. You know, he's hitting you. All right. So he's he's got me by the head and he starts wrenching in punches, and they they fucking hurt. And on one of them, I flinch and he catches me right in the fucking nose, mm. and broke broke my nose. <laughs>
0: Well, Bill, I certainly um you know, you told told some pretty awesome stories today and I mean it's really a snapshot of the history of our organization, at least for the last seventeen years. I mean, you you could write a book based on what you've seen and and the different eras that you've been a part of. You know, you've seen the upgrade in equipment from the Breckenridge Ring to the small ring to what we have now and uh, you know, you've, you've worked with just about every viable name in, in the history of this organization. I mean, you've been in there with all of them. So, um, I certainly want to appreciate, you know, I want to say how much I appreciate you taking time out, coming out here today. Uh, it was certainly a good time. I think our fans are going to re- really dig what, what we did here today. And, uh, um, if you are if you're liking what we're doing here under the Klaus to the Heart umbrella, you can keep up to date with everything that we're doing by checking out our website, dot Um, and if you have not done so already, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, and we will be right back here next week with a new episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast. For Bill Sackman, I am Jason Klaus. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we'll see you next week on the Klaus of the Heart podcast, powered by Anchor.fm.